My name is Dorcas Crawford and I'm delighted to host a series of podcasts for Family Mediation NI. Separation, divorce and family breakdown are a sad fact of life, but the common factor for parents in these circumstances is their children's best interests. Over the various episodes, we will hear from the director, from the mediators and other professionals about the service that Family Mediation NI provides and its role in empowering parents to look at the future, focus on their children and begin a new chapter of Parenting Apart. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Family Mediation NI podcast and I'm delighted to welcome today Joan Davis who is in fact the director of FMNI. Welcome Joan, you have lots to tell us and we're going to find out lots from you about the workings of FMNI and what it's all about. Thank you Dorcas, it's good to be here and it's good to have a chat with you about Family Mediation NI. So Joan, let's start at the beginning. What is Mm -hmm. Family Mediation NI? Well, FMNI is a charity registered with the Charity Commission of Northern Ireland and it began its life over 21 years ago. We had uh, our 21st birthday last year. It started as a vision of one person who identified a demand when she was a counsellor. She trained as a mediator and a number of colleagues came together with her to start a steering group. And so was born Family Mediation NI and it started in a little office out of that lady's husband's premises. We've moved quite a bit from that time and obviously as demand grows, more mediation was delivered and more family mediators were trained. So we are where we are now at the bottom of the Omer Road in in newer premises and we are really under a lot of pressure in terms of the numbers of people that actually want to be assessed for family mediation. To access the services. And we're going to hear a lot more about what those services are because Mm. a lot of our listeners won't actually know. Mm. So this is going to be a very educational podcast, but you've certainly come a long way in 21 years. We're Mm. sitting in the premises now and certainly Mm. it's not a tiny office in somebody's husband's premises. Um, It's come a long way and I look forward to hearing a bit more of that as our chat goes on. But like, uh, interesting, as you said, like a lot of charities, it starts as the vision of one person who's committed Mm. and amazing what that initial vision can do. So how long have you actually been with the organisation, Joan? You're the director now. Yes, I've been here since 2009. So a long time. Too long, some might say. And during that time, you've seen it grow as well, even more so. Yes, certainly, certainly. It has changed significantly. The panel changes a lot. We train quite a number of family mediators annually and we have our training programme accredited via the College of Mediators. So I think we got that up and running in 2010-11 and we have delivered every year bar one since then. And the service has changed in terms of CPD and group supervision and how we cover Northern Ireland. So there's been a lot of changes in in those years. Lots of questions out of what you just said. So first of all, the actual work of Family Mediation NI is uh, there are two aspects, as I understand. One, the mediators, and that's the panel that you're talking about, are the actual family mediators who work with the people that come into you. And we'll come back to what type of cases those might be. And then the other aspect of it is the training and you're a specialist training service to train mediators Mm -hmm. in family mediation specifically. Mm -hmm. You are the only training providers, as I understand it, in Northern Ireland for family mediators. Yes, there are a number of generic uh, mediation yes. programs that you can complete. Yes. But the family mediation program that we deliver is the only one in Northern Ireland. Yeah. 
Yeah. And how many people a year would you train? Do you train every year? Is there a programme every year? We train every year, and we, but we keep that uh, to a minimum of 10 people in terms of managing those people after the yes. training in terms of each of those people accessing 10 hours supervised practice. Okay. So they have 12 days training yes, initially. Yes. So you have 10 new mediators each yes. year, new trainees, I should say, who then go through 12 days mm-hmm. of mediation training. Is that over a period of time? It's spread out three over months, a few months, three, three months, months yes. and they must do 12 full days. Yes. And then at that point, they're not let loose on the (laughs) unsuspecting public as it were they then have more accreditation more to do to be accredited yes and that's supervision is it yes and there's a criteria for entering the training program it's not a matter of just training everyone yeah and the, the 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 criteria relates to their experience to date in whatever their work life, uh, their other okay. profession is. That could be in social work, in teaching, in right. law, in community development. People come from all works of life. Yeah. But as long as they can demonstrate that they have experience working with families in distress ah, and yes. have the capacity to take on such a training program, because yeah. it is quite a tough program. And, and it, once they've successfully completed the 12 days, if they have successfully yes. completed, then they move into co-working and being supervised in in cases. By experienced so, yes, mediators. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay, and do they pay for the training? Is it oh, privately they paid? Yes, yes. Yeah, they fund private, themselves, They generally. do fund themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And we do train a number of social workers. I think this year there's a couple, there was certainly a couple on last year and their employer, i.e. the trust, yes. may sponsor them to do that. Yes. And we have trained a number of the CCOs and a number of, of family lawyers and barristers, as well as the, those that want to come on board so and they work aren't for us. necessarily becoming accredited mediators to work Not for FMNI. They can then have their own yes. practice or use it in the workplace well, if they're, they're social no, workers. Yes, they're or, normally yeah. developing their, their, their own, own skills, skills yeah, for excellent. the work that they do and they don't have actual time yes. to come on our panel. Yes. So there's a mix of people come through. But not everyone will uh, arrive here and get ends a service level agreement. And so out of the here. 10 that you train each year, how many would end up roughly? N- normally it's around five or six that would stay with us for a okay. while. And they need the cases over a couple of years to get accredited. Yes. Yes. So it really does take about 18 months to two years from start to finish. And it's a big investment for yeah. that person. It is a yeah. big investment. Of course, yeah. It's, it's a, a huge sum of money to be investing. Yes. You know, the, in terms of... Family mediation yes. is, is is not a salaried yes, situation. Yes, yeah. They're committed people who want to make a difference, yes. and that's yes. what we tend to attract. Yes, yeah. they they must have really been incentivized to do yes. by their own interest or passion exactly. or whatever yes. it is. And yeah. you'll probably hear that throughout the course of these. Yes, podcasts. talking to the yeah. mediators involved, and it's so it's kind of self selecting in a way that it is. It is people who really want to do this. It is so that's one aspect, and and just to cover that because I think we're going to spend a lot more of our time talking about the actual mediations mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. take place. And how that works and what the makeup of that part of the work is. So I understand that that's mostly most of your work is child focused, but sometimes you deal with couples who are the, where the, yes, bri- yes. the relationship is broken down. Tell us a bit about that. I would say around ninety two percent of our work is related to separated parents. There's a small percentage would be finance only, mm-hmm. and those might be people obviously without children. And then there's wider family mediation that includes adult siblings and maybe mm-hmm. an elderly relative for an elderly person, yeah. maybe diagnosed with early onset dementia. 
and their voice can be heard in the mediation that will help them organise how they're cared for cared and for. what happens and help the in family the to talk that through and so on. Yes, and that's called elder mediation, as I understand it. It, it is. It yeah. is the specialism is elder mediation. We tend to refer to it as wider because it can also include um, adult siblings. Yes, with, without an you're elder not, person. Not, yes, yes, you, you of know, course. Yeah. or any sort of. Any mix, any dispute that involves family members, yes. I suppose, is the best it's way broader to family that. mediation. Now, it's a small yeah. amount of the work. Yeah. And uh, we'll have a mediator that will discuss that in greater, greater detail in, yeah. in a further podcast because it is more difficult because you might have five or six, seven, eight participants yes, from a family. Yes, slightly different. Yeah. So it, it is a different dynamic. Yeah. Yes. So the vast majority is really parents, parents who are dealing with parents. arrangements for children yes, yes. after a relationship and a family yes. has broken down. Is that right? That's it. And they come at different times. You know, sometimes it's very early on in the separation. In fact, some of them can still be living in the same house right. and be separated. Right. And of course, that's partly to do with Has the economics that yes situation and um, there's a different well. challenge yes. for them and the mediator of we will have people that are separated weeks months years we will even have people that have been legally divorced that come to us years after that because there's because still problems trying to in the road yeah, in, with regards yeah. to the child moving of between course, the two homes of course and changing age and yes, schools yes, and different things that. and that's great to know that actually yes. people must have had a positive experience in the first instance to yes. come back yes. to try and, yes. and find another solution for a changing situation and and Joan just in general terms can you say a wee bit about the level of need mm. for mm. parents separating and managing arrangements with children in Northern Ireland. Yes. It's, it's hard to get to the statistics sometimes, yes. but can, can you give us a rough idea? It, it really is very difficult in terms of actual hard facts of Northern Ireland wide yeah. statistics, because often when you're looking at stats, it's, it's UK based of course, yeah. or it's Republic of Ireland based. Yes. Nor- Northern Ireland doesn't tend to have stats in relation to uh, how many parents separate, separate yes. because they don't always or they're not always flagged up on a radar yes, if you like of course if of course. they're not married they'll not be a statistic yeah. for the so courts and tribunal service so there, there's the life and time survey okay there's there's the courts and tribunals and there's the census yes but the census will tell you how many lone parents there are okay they'll not tell you how many people are separated. Yes. A lone parent could be widowed. Yes. But you, you know, so we don't actually have a grasp on the number of separated parents. No, but do we have Northern a rough Ireland. idea of the number of children, for example, who... We know from those going through the court system, and yes. again, not everyone goes through the no. courts. On average, it's around 6,000 children every year are subject every to contact and residency orders. Okay. So, you know, that that is probably the tip of the iceberg. Yes, there's probably a lot more than that. Yeah. But even if we take yeah. that, we yeah. can see that the need for a service like FMNI mm-hmm. is huge. Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah. what you're seeking to provide, really, and, to, and yes. through these podcasts to yes. let people know exists. Yes. Because people don't necessarily know, even at the minute that this exists. More and more people, I think, are finding out. And the indication that you've given us from starting from just a few people to now, mm. I doubling, tripling in size mm. and the the number of mediators that you have on panels and the service that you provide full time now gives us an indication that you're, you're, yeah. you can see that need is ever expanding, yes. isn't it? Well, certainly our helpline is busy all the time and we have a certain amount of hours between 10 o'clock and 3 o'clock 
four days a week and those that cover it are, are talking to people all the time and people are making initial inquiries right. just to find out what it is. And how does that how do people come to that helpline? Is that through your website? Is that through the court? We gather that information and the highest one is they've, they've literally Googled it. Ah. And after that it's my solicitor, okay. my GP, my okay. best friend, my work colleague. I knew about it. Right. I'm not sure how Social I workers. knew about it. So, you know, so sometimes referrals, sometimes it's, it's, yes, self-referrals. Yes, it's very, very, very few referrals. Most of the people that come through our doors are self-referred. self-referred. They've Googled it. They've found ah. us. They've read up about it on the website. Yes. And then they've made contact to find out, is this the organisation for them? And is that through the helpline? Does that, when you refer to the helpline, is that the same thing? That's them. That's how they get in touch yes. with you initially. Yes. And yes. So they don't get advice or anything on, on the phone, on the helpline. They just get no, information about no, what they need to do no, to access no. mediation. Is that we're, right? We're definitely not an advice agency. No. We can give them the information around okay. what family mediation is. They'll explain to them the criteria for the funded service. Yes. So they'll be given a lot of information. They'll be referred to reading around managing separation and what's best for children. Yes. And then they'll be asked if they want to have an individual assessment meeting. And that will be organised for them. And then they'll find out more from a mediator. Yes. And the mediator will find out more about them. Yes. And that's the point then they decide, yes. are they going yes. forward? Or is it appropriate for mediation, etc.? And yes. in subsequent podcasts, we are going to hear yes. from the mediators about that assessment process, what is and isn't appropriate for mediation, how it goes from that point onwards. But just to come back to something you mentioned there, uh, you touched on how it's funded or how they're funded. So... Mm. Tell us a bit about the funding of the mediation mm-hmm. service. The funding we get from the Department of Health under contract is specifically for early intervention mediation. So the hope is that if uh, individuals, parents come to us, that they'll not end up in the court system. Or okay. if they do, it'll be a reduced period of time in the court system. Yes. But certainly the early intervention service is funded if they're not at this point in time in the court or if, have a, if they an haven't issued proceedings yes. or anything so it's yes. pre and then any legal proceedings yes. if they're in legal proceedings already what how's funded then if they're in legal proceedings at the minute we wouldn't work with them we would tell them when you're finished with court system you may come back to us but the legal proceedings and mediation can't run parallel oh i see so is it possible though for so so if i say to you look we've been going through the court system for weeks we've both now agreed that that's not the way ahead for us it's not working very well for us it's making things worse rather than better or whatever we're just finding it very difficult and we would like to try mediation is that not an option we would we we would advise them to go back and speak to their solicitor, right, and explain to their solicitor that they would want to try yes. mediation, but all appearances, all court applications have to be ended, suspended, paused, and it's, it's not or? a matter of adjournment, okay, because that then is lacking commitment to mediation, okay, because it's nearly like. You know, we're you're going to try something you, else, but we might come yeah, back. Exactly, well, it's not an outright no. It's, it's a no. Well, you might be able to do it, but you'll have to go and speak to your solicitor first mm-hmm. or if you haven't got a solicitor, the court or yes. whoever it is, and say that this is what you want to do. And you then need to bring those proceedings to an end so that you can then try yes. and engage yes. in mediation. If they've ended court, court proceedings, they're welcome to come in under the funding. And be funded. Because the okay. hope is, well, better outcomes for children and that they'll not end back in court again. Now, I mean... I'm going to slightly contradict myself here in the sense that if it was a court-directed mediation, Uh. it's a different animal. It's not coming in under the funded service. They're in court and the judge has directed them 
to ah. us. And that and could be self-funded okay. uh, or legally aided. But the the court direction will indicate what the impasse is. Yes. What is the issue I understand. for yeah. mediation? Okay. So you get funded if you come before court proceedings. Yes. You get you possibly get funded if you put a stop to your court proceedings yes. and come to mediation instead. Yeah. So when are you self-funded? If the judge directs mediation, you're self-funding. Right. One party might be self-funding uh, and one party might be legally assessed? aided. Okay. So if you're legally aided in the court process... You would be funded if, if they're legally aided. FM and I will be funded by legal funded aid. Funded by legal aid. Okay. So when is it self-funded then? If you're not, if, if you're, if, you're, if your in, means if are such that you're not legally aided, system and you're not legally aided, you'll be self-funding. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're coming to us for finance only, you'll be self-funding. For finance only, not yes. children. Okay. Yes, that's yes. great. Thank you for clearing that up because it's quite there's, yes. there's quite a lot of options yes. there, yes. aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. a lot of the information that's given. Yes, on, on those the initial phone and calls. indeed on our FAQs okay. on our website as well. So then the next thing I suppose that occurs to me, if I've been on the helpline or if I've listened to this podcast and thought I'll contact FMNI, is there a waiting list? There's a waiting list to a degree, and it depends very much on the parents' availability. Okay. The mediators are moving quite swiftly through information and assessment meetings. So normally they would have that appointment within two weeks of the oh, phone okay. call. Okay, two weeks, excellent. So that's the assessment that's process. Quick. Okay. But then you're waiting on the other parent. Yeah. If the other parent doesn't come forward, yes. it doesn't obviously yes. go anywhere. Because but best case scenario, if we've if, both decided yeah. we're going to do this, we both phone up roughly around the yes. same time, we both yes. get into the system straight away, yes. we could both get an appointment within two weeks. Yes. And then how, where does it move you could, from you once could technically, You could technically be in your first joint within that, within the month. Oh, that's excellent. Yes. So there's not really a long waiting yes. list. No, and, it, and that that's partly down to, I mean, in a strange way, to lockdown because we then developed the Zoom mediation if people don't want to meet in person. So that speeds up that assessment process. process. Okay, so that's what, what I was going to ask yeah. next was where does it tend to happen? Yes. Well, it happens, I mean, over lockdown, it was all on Zoom. Of course. Now it's a hybrid, it's, it's nearly 50-50. Zoom and in person yes. and it happens all over Northern Ireland in, in every trust we would beat people in Fermanagh House in Enniskillen in Ballybot House in Newry in the Sandal Centre in Coleraine and a number of other centres we always seek out a community facility okay. nearest to where they live Okay, so that people are going in and out for a variety of different things. People don't always have to come to oh, Belfast or no, Fermanagh or whatever. Absolutely not. Can, so it's no, very convenient. No. And then obviously there's this option of online, and we'll probably yes. talk to some of the mediators yes. about that and experience it's, it's and how that has changed things. for those parents because we'll have a dad maybe in Scotland ah. or in Dublin, and yes. mum lives in Oma. So Zoom really does help them have those yes. discussions. One of the few benefits we might acknowledge of the pandemic of course but in some of those things have made life a bit easier and more efficient so that that came out of me asking you about waiting lists and you were saying that because of that option now Mm -hmm. that has really sped Mm -hmm. things up so Mm -hmm. people could theoretically be into a mediation scenario within a couple of weeks so it really is very fast and very efficient and, and they could have their if everything's going to plan and they're yes. working well together they, they you know from beginning to end they could have their mediated agreement their full mediated agreement 
or a co-parenting plan within eight to ten weeks. How many sessions mm. are in your average mediation or On is there average, no average? The, the, the average that we will say to a funded client is up to four sessions will be funded. Okay. And it focuses the mind. Yes, yes. Because the session's an hour and a half each time every two weeks. Yes. It focuses them on their agenda and on them finding agreement. But that said, sometimes it needs five or six. Yeah. And they are directed to recommended reading around separating Uh, and around influence on child, child development. Ah, yes. And, you know, the wiring of the brain, the environment. Yes, yes. And we feel if parents know more about the impact on children of their behaviours, they're more focused on wanting to find an agreement Yes. You know, it definitely focuses the mind. Yes. And and what I'm picking up and we'll hear from the other mediators and some of them specifically involved in child therapy or child yes. children's focused work outside of mediation as well, is that what is the real passion of FMNI mm-hmm. is better outcomes for children. Yes, that's really the essence of it. And I mean, everything that we do in the child focused mediation is underpinned by the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child that says the child has the right to a healthy and safe relationship with both parents. Uh, so that's where we're coming from in, yeah. in, in those funded sessions. Yes. It's all around, around working with the parents to get the better outcomes for the for child. The children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, quite a range of work with the individuals concerned and I know that we'll also hear from one of the child inclusive mediators about when sometimes the children are involved as well so we'll hear that in due course in another one of the episodes. What does FMNI not do Joan? Well we're not a counselling agency and we're not an advisory agency. Do sometimes people think you are? And sometimes people do think we are (laughs) and then when you say that people think well, then what are you? What are you actually doing? So you have to go into quite a bit of an explanation around mediation and, you know, what mediation is. And there's a number of definitions, but it is the empowerment of people to negotiate, to generate their own options and find their own solutions. And it's forward thinking, whereas counselling may well be backward looking to find out where the crux of the matter is. We're not we're, we're not a counselling agency. Mediation. You don't provide any kind of therapy, is that right? No, it's not a therapeutic service at all. Now, the unintentional consequences, it might it might actually feel therapeutic when parents, you know, reach or breach that impasse and find their solutions. But it's practical and it's really hard work. And I think those that enter into mediation are very brave people mm. because it, it, they're doing the hard work the mediator is facilitating, but they are doing the hard work to find their own solution that will have longevity. So... That's the difference between mediation and counselling. And of course, we're not advising. We will send people to their solicitor for independent legal advice. We'll signpost those to, to counselling agencies yeah. and family support services and parenting education services. We are the specialists in mediation and we want to focus on that. Yes. And and we'll hear from the mediators again in other episodes. But essentially, sometimes there are situations where when you say you signpost people where they either maybe when they first ring up, say, I'm looking for counselling. And that might be the first signpost or it might mm-hmm. arise in the context mm-hmm. of a mediation. We will hear more detail mm-hmm. about this where or in the assessment process where it's mm. clear that the people involved want or need some kind of counselling or therapy and then 
that that's not what your mediators do. That yes. would be, okay, we can signpost you to certain other professional organisations that do that, but we don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And it might be on the first phone call. Yes. Or it might be in that individual meeting with the mediator where that's yes. identified. And maybe people found us because someone told us, told them, sorry, to contact us thinking that we were a counselling agency. So there's a lot of confusion amongst other professions as to what we are. So we do spend a lot of time trying to explain ourselves. You would think it was, well, mediation is not counselling, but th- there is confusion out there. So the the first helpline call will we'll delve into that as well to make sure that they're, they're speaking to the right organisation. And they have the right service. Joan, thank you very much. That has been a fascinating insight into the work of FMNI, which I'm quite sure a lot of our listeners just won't have known the half of that. I certainly didn't. So thank you for that. And we really look forward to hearing in other episodes from other mediators who'll go into a bit of detail about the actual day-to-day work that they do. So I hope that our listeners will join us to hear more and thank you for the overview of what FMNI does and its services. Thank you, Dorcas. Thank you for your time and thank you for those listening. If you'd like to find out more about the services we've discussed in the podcast, please visit the website familymediationni.org.uk.